Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Well, oh my gosh, you both got here at the same time. Zippity doodah. It's magic shit right there. It's an unspoken competition we have. <laughs> I like it. Except that I've now spoken it. You have now spoken it. It's lost. Well, all you it. just lost the game, and so did our listeners. <laughs> nah. I'm just so good at the game that even when I'm reminded of the game, I simply choose to not think about it. <laughs> That's commitment. Yep, just the um, skill I have. <laughs> all right. Well, all the pinko commie sluts are here. What day is it? What week is it? I feel especially Did lost. we post last week's episode? I don't think we did. <laughs> all right. Well, bonus episode this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of it will be even less relevant to current events than normal. That's right. Well, it was a fun week. I mean, unfortunately, it seems like things are unraveling for old Trumpy boy. Yeah. In terms of this gotcha uh, leaking of Biden's text. I don't know how they're <laughs> fucking it up to the degree they're fucking it's it. It's hilarious. Like, <laughs> there's a way to actually do this to attack Biden and seem like normal people. And they're just not doing that. No, they're like, everyone should talk to their addicted son like you're a piece of shit, Don Jr. Yeah, no, like <laughs> I, I almost teared up at those texts like he, he seems so human and loving like Jesus. Yeah, like, and i will say on a total in a total non-political way i myself even though i'm very cynical about lots of things i am very susceptible to even for a bad person if you show me this kind of humanity yeah jesus uh, you show me, yeah, they're a terrible person, but at least at the bare minimum, they love and care about their family. I always count that as a like, okay, yeah, one point for you there, like, <laughs> even if you're despicable. Because there are bad people who even <laughs> their own families, they are not loving and kind to. Yeah, I mean, it's um, just like, it's seriously like Joe Biden... You know, you could say like, oh, he authored the crime bill and bragged about it at the time that would put people in Hunter Biden's situation who aren't named Hunter Biden uh, has ruined their lives. But, you know, if only Joe Biden showed the love for America that he does his own son. But it's a hypocrisy. Like you could play it like that. You yeah. could say like Hunter Biden has had a million second chances 
that Joe Biden doesn't think the average American should have. Yeah. Uh, like mean, that's that's your angle, and it's not shitting on his addiction or anything like that. It's it's a reasonable angle. To, but like instead they're just like leaking texts of him going like instead they're I like don't, fellas, fellas, isn't it gay to tell yeah. your son you love it? Yeah, no, it's seriously <laughs> they're they're calling Joe Biden gay for kissing his son on the mouth. Um <laughs> Like, I just, it's the most flabbergasted thing. Like, I just, like, he handled the Hillary email thing so well because no one understood the Hillary email skin. Absolutely no hue. There's actually a famous old quote where, yeah, three people understood the Hillary email scandal. A uh, federal prosecutor who's dead, uh, the person who wrote the law who has since gone insane, and myself who has forgotten. Um, <laughs> no one knew what the Hillary email scandal was about. Yes, but, but, but he was able to the- tell it on this simple story of some... Someone did something bad, and because their name happened to be Hillary Clinton, they didn't face cops. Well, also, he can tap into that vein of misogyny for Hillary. Yeah. And he doesn't have I, the same, but he doesn't have the same energy behind his attacks. They, well, he just seems they don't have the care. same energy. Uh, I, I also think he doesn't care, but I didn't think he wanted to be president. Yeah. In the no, first I think place. that's really what it comes down to is he is worried that if he makes the least bit of effort, he might be president for a second term. Like, <laughs> that's really what I, my theory on this because like he just seems like he's kind of trying not to like to stop putting like Rudy Giuliani front and center. You know, he had people in 2016 who like said all the same shit but just weren't disgusting human beings that no one likes. Uh Steve Bannon? Yeah, well I mean, yeah. Oh fuck, that was cool. <laughs> God, remember Steve Bannon? Jesus. Remember how his face just like flakes off? <laughs> On its own. Yeah, no, that that man is like is the master race. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna take the advocate here and say uh, he's doing the like the same argument, but like decayed. He just wants the same like signifiers to attack people without any substance. I myself watched 11 hours of the Hillary Clinton uh, Benghazi yeah. uh, testimony, and by the end of it, I was completely convinced that she personally murdered those ambassadors. <laughs> I mean, by neglect, by neglect alone. Yeah, it's just, okay, with Hillary, like, yeah, fine, there's a sexism. Fine, there's Hillary Clinton specifically yeah. since the 90s has been a singularly targeted individual. That's legitimate. But, I mean, it's just... With any of her scandals, there was a similar theme that was not about the substance of the scandal. Like, oh, I mean, like, yeah, a little bit with Benghazi, like, oh, she caused the death of soldiers and doesn't care. But for the most part, it was just a story about aren't you fucking sick and tired of Hillary Clinton thinking she's better than you thinking she's owed the presidency and she did all this bad shit. And if it was you or I, you would at the very least get fired from your job. You would 
probably go to jail or whatever. And instead, she thinks she should be president. Like, that's it. It was just like, look at this privilege. And it's like, how many people have a shitty cokehead boss's son who they have to pretend to respect that could understand like, oh, Hunter Biden's like that guy. But that's the problem is that Trump has no perspective on this. Right. Like truly to come at it from that angle because he makes those sons. He, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't relate to the criticism that could right. be cogent there because he is an even worse version of all of those aspects. Steven, you riding a motorcycle or something? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I'm actually on a motorcycle right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm so cool. Hell You're like Hunter yeah, S. Thompson, man. dude. I'm like Hunter S. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They're named the same thing. How did I not realize that before? <laughs> that rules. Yeah, that he... Oh, Hunter almost didn't have a choice, you know, with the name yeah. like that. I like this reported story that they went with, though. This is, um, like this time, they didn't choose WikiLeaks to do their jump. Um, they didn't choose like some weird ass like third rate website that was made like yesterday to like plant this information. They went to Delaware and they went to guy, Delaware. They, they gave this guy a, a suitcase and was like, or no, a computer. And was like, can you just say the deep state is after after you so that we have reason to open this up? You see what Bo Biden's name on it? And I was like, sure, I'll do. I'll say anything. Like, I don't buy the story that Hunter Biden was in, living in California, flew to Delaware, left his laptop there and then never returned. I could kind of see that on both one, the perspective that... Hunter Biden sounds like he'd forget that he left his laptop to get fixed and like is it is it more likely than somebody hacking his computer? Oh yeah, like almost certainly it, they look like uh fucking cloud stored photos. Uh but and yeah, that's probably what happened. But you know, I could see But they went to great like they hacked the DNC and then just put it on WikiLeaks the last time. And this time they went through the extra steps of hacking Hunter Biden. As a lifelong member of South Jersey who believes that if I look in certain dumpsters in Ocean City, I could find shit about the Biden family, I appreciate <laughs> the theater. No, it's it's brilliant. I'm giving them props for the lengths they went to, like... Like this, this shop owner is full like, of dirt bags. This shop owner, this QAnon shop owner, was like, "Oh, I got a Biden's laptop. Let me call my lawyer friend who knows Rudy Giuliani. That's who <laughs> I'm gonna go to first. Yeah. Oh, everyone knows each other. Yeah, like <laughs> you grew up in New Jersey. We all grew up in it. Well, Bonnie grew up in Maryland, but you know, it's still the Mid Atlantic. Um, <laughs> you know, but because I grew up in the Mid Atlantic, I do have a tertiary connection to uh, Eric Trump's wife. Like my biology they teacher in high school. People I know. My high school biology <laughs> teacher's ex was really good friends with John Stewart's wife. Like, you know, I, I, we, we all know someone. Just, yeah, yeah. Now... Joe, Joe Biden's, like, niece works at a fucking 
diner off the fucking Ocean City boardwalk. That's like, I'm like 70% sure that's a true statement. I think I heard that from someone in my family at one point. Yeah. Wait, so you believe that the guy... Yeah, that's some, like, weird dirtbag uh, fucking Delaware uh, IT repair place, like, had Hunter Biden wander into his shop one day and left his computer there, and something occurred that made Hunter Biden forget that he just did that, which could have been, like, a squirrel running across Hunter Biden's field of vision, and so he just never came back with it, and then that dude got into QAnon and, like, broke into his computer? Yeah, sure. That could happen. But he didn't break in. He handed it to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. Okay, yeah, sure. Like, again... I'm pretty who then leaked it to the New York Post. Like there are so many levels to this. Uh, you probably have a yeah. former Boy Scout leader who could get on the phone with Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> like I, I'm just saying, like it, it's all Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland. Like you're all this. Like we all know each other. <laughs> Now, I know that's true for Greek people. Yeah, it's true for Greek people. And by the way, like, your sister, like, worked for the mayor or whatever the fuck. You you know people. You could get on the phone with people. That is true. Yeah. I, I do know people. I am kind of related to even the most powerful private citizen in all of Maryland, uh, which is still Peter Angelos for some reason. Is he like the... Uh... The owner of the Orioles, oh, okay, um, okay. but also uh, famously uh, is the one, the lawyer who got all the asbestos suits in the 80s, 90s. There was a big bunch. He got a lot of money for people who were had asbestos and lead poisoning. Yeah, well, Pennsylvania and like, I mean, specifically Philly, but like Pennsylvania generally has Ed Rendell, who just like was... It's just like, I don't know. I think he was a city councilman in the 80s. Then he was mayor for a while. I think he might have been. I don't know if he was ever governor, but like he's just allowed to be the dictator of Pennsylvania for some reason. And like no one stops him. Yeah, eh, we all have people. Well, yeah, he used to uh, be guest star or co-host or some shit on uh, some Comcast local flyers show like just talking about the flyers uh they'd always have ed reddell on like you just had to grow up with this human being you just i'm pretty sure my mom saw him on the ocean city boardwalk like shirtless with a floozy he was like a real life um whatever the fuck the mayor of springfield's name is drawing a blank Homer Simpson? No, the mayor. Uh, talk like Kennedy, fat, had floozies. It was a floozy-having man. <laughs> he, didn't have, floozy. he didn't have mistresses. He had floozies. They weren't called mistresses. Yeah, floozies seem like more fun. Yeah, no, they were way more fun. Like, and they all, they all have to talk like, hey, miss. Yeah, no, they, like, I'm pretty sure you don't <laughs> even have sex with them. I'm pretty sure they're just around <laughs> to like talk like that. They're just around to drink your booze and talk like that. And, have and like kind of cuddle with you on chairs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to, per- they never sit in a chair. They're always perching. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and like a strap of their like dress is always like coming yeah, down. Yeah. Like that's how you know it's a floozy. <laughs> 
Whereas a mistress, it's a whole, it's a full time. Yeah, family. like a mistress like has a house and shit, and like <laughs> floozies. It's floozies are like when you were a kid. They're good time. They're girls. like when you're a kid and you assume that the teacher lives at the school. Like when you're a little kid <laughs> and like you're at a grocery store and you just assume all the clerks kind of live there and don't exist outside of working there. Like floozies only have this existence when they're with fat mayors <laughs> and machine politicians. I mean, I do have a belief that all mayors should be fat. Yeah. So, uh, like in my mind, the archetypical mayor is uh, is a fat guy. Yeah, like Ed Rendell uh, and or the mayor from The Simpsons. Yes, or like uh, I was gonna say the uh, the mayor from Dukes of Hazard. That's a sheriff, <laughs> one. The one who's always after them. Local politics. I I think he might be a machine boss, so you got that going for you. But isn't he a sheriff? I don't know. I never watched that shit. Reactionary trash. Southern (laughs) man, in the words of Neil Young. Boss Hogg? Yeah, Boss Hogg. Yeah, I don't... I yeah, think he was the mayor. He was mayor. He's the he's the flamboyant, bumbling mayor. Oh, okay. Uh, Boss Hog. I, I thought I always just always in white. Sheriff. Yeah, I no. know who Boss Hog is. No, the mayor was a different character. Oh, sheriff. Okay. Boss Hog. He's the quintessential fat Southern mayor. Yeah. Oh, uh, fucking Action League now had the mayor as the bad guy, but it was this like smooth talking black. Di- uh, action figure. Does everyone remember Action League now, or am I the only one who watched that amongst us? I watched it. I, I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, it was off of Nickelodeon's Kablam, which was just like this great fucking uh, weird mm-hmm. sketch comedy cartoon show that was like cool mm-hmm. and like do drugs too, or be like 12. Um, and uh, yeah, no, the main bad guy was always the mayor who didn't have a name. He was just the mayor, but he was this very um, smooth talking professional black man in a suit archetype of the 90s. Uh, yeah, that was also, yeah. yeah, was also uh, archetypical mayor, uh, the Ford brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there are some fat mayors. But they're like- like the Canadian. mayor from The Mouse Hunt, that movie from back in the day, was also like that. Uh, yeah, a lot of fat mayors in fiction and reality. When's the last time New York had a fat mayor? Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess Cock or Coach or whatever the fuck his name was, was sort of heavy. Was he? I don't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was fat? Who was Yeah, I fat? mean... He was jolly at the very least. Halfway to being fat. Yeah. Was LaGuardia fat or was he just Italian? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Giuliani is the quintessential Italian mayor. No, well, I mean, LaGuardia is no, the good Italian. Yeah, LaGuardia, it looks like depending on his angle, he had like kind of that like early 20th century fat dude shit. He at least had a fat head. If yeah, I, if no, I he definitely correctly. has a pudgy head. He would be described at the time as fat. I'm sending all these pictures over, but uh, he would be described at the time as fat because like everyone was super skinny then. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> LaGuardia, I uh, 
I had a concept for a script that, I mean, I love to write an ahistorical comedy. So it was about LaGuardia and uh, what was the guy? Anslinger, the guy who had the hard on for right, marijuana right, yeah. and like created marijuana prohibition. Because LaGuardia was against it. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, exactly. So, but I, I wrote something that was essentially that uh, Anslinger had smoked some weed and it made him feel real queer. And that's why he uh, was had such a vendetta against it. But in my Italian homophobia sort of, is the funnest thing to talk about. Yeah. That's one thing Cuntown really landed on as a formula is the Italian style of homophobia is a particularly funny style of homophobia. Yeah, right. It's particularly what my boyfriend walked away with after binge watching The Sopranos. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. He was calling everything a fucking funny. Oh, yeah. I say uh, that when I stub my toe. <laughs> That's, that's what I do uh, as my, like, go-to toe stub curse word. Yes. There's two uh, good conspiracy theories we have to talk about. Oh, I yeah. There's, uh, also, I did, in fact, I have, I want to call them somewhat extensive notes of the first quarter of GoldenEye, but I did just watch that entire fucking movie today, so... Uh, awesome. If we could get to that at some point. But I think conspiracy theories come first. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's the JFK Jr. Redux. So, yes, yeah. the JFK Jr., which uh, this is... People have been aware that for whatever reason, a segment of QAnon people are fixated on this idea that, one, JFK Jr. is not dead. Two, that he is hidden himself away to like i don't know fucking like batman in the <laughs> in, in the cave <laughs> he's <laughs> trading up to fight the pedophile cabals but this weekend uh, a huge QAnon conspiracy was that at a quote at a trump rally on october 17th jfk jr would reveal himself to not only be alive but to be replacing mike pence as the vp as trump yeah as the running mate uh, awesome. The oh my God. funniest part is that there was no Trump rally on the 17th. There was a Trump rally on October 17th, 2019. <laughs> Wait, no, I thought that the that they thought it was going to be in Dallas, but it was mm -hmm. actually in Wisconsin. No, the, there was a Dallas rally on the 17th of October last year. Jesus Christ. So it was... I just love how sloppy QAnon is and how hardcore people. Yeah, like it. the it, fascists in 2017 tried to like take over a city. They, like, they're just no one's giving a shit anymore. It's pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> Which city? Um, but oh, uh, Charlottesville. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's fascinating the. Why choose JFK Jr.? It's a bizarre choice. And I have a theory that goes along with why the governor of the great state of Maryland announced publicly that, oh, he wouldn't vote for Trump. He wrote in Ronald Reagan. This is Governor Larry Hogan, fucking hogs, greedish. Really <laughs> brought out the, the best people in your family. 
it is yeah, it is literally like ableism to make fun of that because he is opening doors for the dumbest fucking people to get into politics and good for him for doing that well, it, uh, so I believe it's the same kind of fuzzy headed sentimentality that is breeding both where there's just like a faint feeling memory of a person or figure and that is all that matters right so much like how larry hogan has a fuzzy soft-headed wet-brained memory of ronald reagan it's not lost on me how it's ironic that he would choose ronald reagan who did preside over the aids crisis pretty poorly at this time but i feel like this jfk jr thing comes from the same thing it's like people who were like remember when elaine had a crush on jfk i was just gonna say say she masturbated to jfk jr i just remember the way she would say it jfk jr yeah (laughs) yeah because that's how she lost the bet that is how she uh, lost the bet. And uh, I, I remember... Because she had to pay double because she's a woman. Yeah, no, I remember mm-hmm. that episode. She had to pay double, well, and then, but then she was and then in, it like, was, yoga. It was when he was... It was when he was still alive and she saw him at the right, gym, yeah. too. And she couldn't handle herself. Um, and she couldn't, yeah. But it was presented very, I want to say, apolitically. Like, uh, it's not as if, like, to have uh, be horny for JFK Jr. in the 90s would have connoted any necessary yeah, yeah, yeah. political point of view. He, you know, JFK Jr. was like running that magazine, George, and like all kinds of failed ventures. Uh, he pretty much was just handsome <laughs> um, and, you know, flying planes badly. I don't know. I don't know why rich people insist on flying their own planes. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand it. But uh, I do think it comes from. Yeah, it's just like a pop culture mishmash and everyone who exists in like the political punditry arena is is just wrong because they're not letting people be dumb enough to what's the the origin story behind it isn't it in q in a q drop he mentions jfk yeah it's like in one q drop and then it's like not necessarily everybody but it's definitely a segment of q people are very committed to this theory um where i think it's the ones who are more partial to the idea that you know uh like this we are gonna reach some like awakening and like transcending of uh political parties because the evil cabals of blood drinking um pedophiles pedophiles will be exposed which uh is a really long um powerful sort of image that i've been reading a book uh, um that uh a woman named uh, talia levin wrote about um online white supremacists uh she's very smart and funny um she kind of infiltrates some online white supremacist circles uh but she also interviews um a lot of historians about the imagery that the Proud Boys and et cetera are using in their sort of things, which is not a separate 
entity from Q, but uh, essentially the idea of blood drinking demonic cabals goes back to essentially Rome. Like saying your enemies are essentially consorting with demons and drinking the blood of innocence is the uh, old standard. But I guess it was due for a real resurgence with Q. So that's the like tie that binds the Q is this like very exciting belief in the international cabal but uh there there are different octopus uh legs of it and one is this jfk jr is a secret agent essentially who's going to reveal himself to be alive and to have been fighting on the behalf of goodness and uh i think it's also this idea that rich people are good yeah and, yeah 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 like um, the, like the batman yeah, they've secretly been teaming up to, like, fight the good fight. And, you know, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Like, I, 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 I think there's just people who are have a movie, TV idea of reality. Well, I feel uh, like this is very much, uh, I don't know, part of the capitalist realism where the only people you see on TV are rich people. So you think... So the the binary uh, comes up that there are good rich people and there are bad rich people and that they're just mm -hmm. boring parties. And the idea of vigilantism is really strong within fascist kind of ideology that, you know, for one thing, the state is bad, but billionaires that work with police is a force for good and that's why i guess they have like the deep state which is an alternate state or i don't know like yeah okay okay let's go on the premise that jfk jr is working with trump's fbi i guess would be none of this is even sufficiently thought out for it to make sense to anybody who's gonna try to make it make sense right okay so um, like bad yeah. government is bad Hillary. Big government is bad. Hillary Clinton, Democrats, the Pope, Jews, all bad. They're all international At global elites. Suspect. Yeah, global elites that don't that aren't nationalists. I think is the main thing that they're like mm -hmm. consorting with international partners to create one global like new world order. I think is the general. If um, I like because very, I mean, recently it's kind of moved beyond even that, where a lot of what would traditionally be, uh, I don't know, California, like crystal loving new age moms are sort of fitting themselves into it now. Well, yes, I think we, we went over that last week. Yeah, probably. I'm just trying to. The thing is that they're glomming on to the save the children message. Yeah. Is like their wedge issue that they're now distancing themselves from the more conspiracy theory or partisanship of QAnon and making it their own like spiritual quest. Mm -hmm. The awakening kind of has rhetorical use for um, spiritualist kind of people. Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely um, a segment of New Age people who are not uh, connected to Q that talk a great deal about uh, a great awakening, uh, about people waking up and that is what's going to shift things to the better. So um, there's a lot of this like semantic crossover mm -hmm. where 
you know, and and I think for some people, um, I have come across people who basically didn't know what the fuck anything was. Something Q came across their feed and they were like, what the fuck is this? And then they were like, what? What is anything for a minute? And then they move on from Q and are like, then just like kind of reasonably questioning things and and what's happening. So there is like this post Q phenomena of people who are reasonable, who've come across these beliefs and whatever. I think there is a lot of tapping into the anti-vax area with it um which is very very virulent like it's a very strong uh little subculture and part of the reason they remain so is because everyone who is i guess pro vaccine or what have you is so smug and dismissive of these people Mm -hmm. and all you need is one seemingly legitimate story of a quote-unquote vaccine injured child to really keep a momentum there. So uh, I, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit back in the day, uh, re Marianne Williamson, you know, I think she only spoke about like anti-vax people as uh, sort of, she was trying to provide a space where they could feel included, uh, spoken to, included and uh, would feel safe uh, participating or, or whatever. Instead, what you get most of the time on the like liberal side of the TV news media is like very harsh, smug, like you fucking stupid bitch, idiot. Like, which I mean, it's not like I'm totally disagreeing with that. I just don't think it's a productive way to approach something that we're saying on the quote unquote smart side is a public health issue. And and it's a really important to get people on board with vaccinating um their children and whatever it's the way to do it is not to be like you're a fucking idiot so all of that kind of like you're a fucking idiot thing that that propels a lot of that anti-vax people to sort of dig in their heels um is there's a similar energy there with QAnon. so like the way Q is disseminated it's very culty in that like it encourages you to if someone is questioning you about these beliefs it it encourages the person to infer you're just not aware you know you've been lying like just cult speak almost uh with some people where it's like anyone outside the belief system is a heretic Mm -hmm. And uh, whether they are a naive, innocent heretic or a malicious, nefarious one depends on the (laughs) mood of the person. (laughs) But I find it's a similar energy there. Okay, but then where does RFK Jr. fit into this? Because... RFK or JFK? JFK. No, so JFK Jr. I think is... A lot of the Q people are not particularly old people you know you've got your boomers on there but there's a lot of gen x and uh and whatnot uh so i think jfk jr exists in this cultural imagination as um, benevolent yes as benevolent and like and that's uh, what i was trying to get at before you have the you have the world of this new world order these baddies who are 
these like internationalists and then you have these nationalists preserving American culture uh, from what? From uh, stealing your children. So JFK Jr. kind of works as this spiritual force of, I don't know, he, he seems like he seems like a vigilante in their universe. He's, mm-hmm. he's sent out in secret because he's dead already, who also is dead as we've gone over. And he's sent out as this like mercenary to track down the people doing Trump's bidding seems to be like. And then yeah, when it's not as if JFK Jr. and Donald Trump were friends ever. <laughs> this is the funny part. It's not as if like these two rich motherfuckers who would have been, you know, floating around not dissimilar circles, uh like if they were it's not as if they were uh chummy when we do know JFK Jr. to be alive. So, cuz uh, you know, we forget as uh, the Joy Ann Reads of the world like to tell us, real rich people don't like Donald Trump. Actually. My my <laughs> so. suspicion is that there's already too many conspiracy theories about his father, and they just needed to be creative about it. Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, what do you call old, old Freddie Trump was uh, involved in all kinds Wait, of Wait, no, I mean JFK. Oh, JFK. Like, it's just a name associated with with conspiracy. Yeah, but for some reason, JFK Jr. is not, like, associate. I mean, that's the thing, because nobody's, nobody's doing logic. Nobody's doing what the logical conclusions would be. So nobody's talking about, like, because how QAnon people see things are arguably how... Lee Harvey Oswald I mean, <laughs> things, and and it's this if is we're strange. trying to this tackle strange, the question uh, of like why JFK or like partisan nonpartisan proclivities about that. Uh, I just feel like for a lot of people, there's this mythical before things were quote unquote political, and it was about. No, I don't think it has anything to do with partisanship. I think it has to do with. No, I was saying that JFK is associated with conspiracy. It's just a name. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so JFK yeah. Jr. seems to be birthed from those conspiracies. Yeah, no, I... Out of yeah, no, I my point was it was almost an attempt at transpartisanness. That there's a certain uh, thing that gets lent to it where it's like, Oh, this isn't about like Republicans versus Democrats. This is about good American loving people versus yeah, evil. Basically. That's and that's what it's about for so many of Q people I've come across is that like they want more than anything to be involved in a good versus evil situation. So uh and often I feel like it- if you're, yeah, so, yeah, no, I just ahead. feel like Sorry. in a lot of uh, places you get this, and I mean, maybe there's something uh, about this, but uh, there's this sort of denial of the category where I, re- I, I used to read a lot of uh, Jack Chick uh, comics. Like, I, I mm-hmm. literally 
read his entire backlog in high school just because I was so fascinated by it. And it was all available online and it was funny and cool and the art was great and he's a hilarious uh, bigoted man. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Of chit tracks, right? And the yeah, one thing, though, that like stands out from this, this is a stock line in chit tracks is oh, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship with God. And there, there's always that like, Scientologists will talk about like, oh, well, you can be Catholic and Scientologist because like Scientology isn't a religion. Uh, there's, oh, this isn't politics. This isn't, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. fucking you get it from uh, Stalinists will say, oh, Stalinism isn't really an ideology. It's just um, a belief in what Marx and Lenin said. And there's always this, like, attempt to lend credence to certain things by denying your belonging to a category. And Q often comes across that way. Yes. Yes. This transcending of the categories, trying to get out of the false dichotomies that were mired in just by creating another dichotomy where it becomes Q and not Q. Because there is this, I think, macro desire to make it good and evil. And that's a lot of people who feel themselves to be apolitical. They're just, they just don't do politics. It doesn't interest them. But they do know um, that the Democrats are devils and that they are <laughs> eating babies. Well, they yeah, do know somebody's, somebody's doing that. Okay. It's not for them to say which political party might be it could be both you see and that's why you have the christiales who don't want to vote for a politician christiali of course uh veronica's closet fame (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) she's a scientologist actually the only thing Um, i know about her but yeah she she is she now she's voting for trump uh again because he's still not a politician and uh this belief in um you know, the, oh, oh, we just need the antithesis of whatever I've identified as the problem, which is politics, becomes uh, a problem. It gets us to Donald Trump. But I don't know if he's, we'll see. I'm, we're down to the wire here, I guess. I already voted as, as discussed. The, the second, the second conspiracy theory the QAnon uh, also involves a rich dead person, Bin Laden. Yes, yeah, Bin Laden. Donald stole. Trump retweeted a QAnon conspiracy theory that Laden is not killed, and that uh, yeah, he wants to take that. Yeah, w o- from o- Biden. Oh, Biden. He he wants to attach the falsities to O Biden. Uh, yes. I'm aware of this one, but okay. Um, yeah. Well, there's also the girl who says she's been niece, like, niece. Uh, daughter. Is she not? Niece. I, I kind of assumed she was. Uh, no, no, no. There's Bin Laden's niece, and then there's the girl who says oh, she's Bin okay. Laden's secret daughter. There's there's two. There's actually, yeah, the Bin right, Laden's right. niece is the one who's pro-Trump and went on Tucker Carlson and said, 
Oh, people are more mean to me about being pro-Trump than they are about me being <laughs> Bin Laden's niece. <laughs> but uh, there's also another girl who uh, just says she's Bin Laden's secret love child. Trump on... Um, or hate Trump child, on Tuesday retweeted an account linked to QAnon conspiracy theory that promoted the unfounded allegation that Bin Laden is still alive. The account has been suspended the following day, but the following day, Trump retweeted a video pushing baseless claims about Bin Laden's death. It's just all Bin Laden is still alive and uh, Obama lied to you this whole time. And think about the time when they just... Room into the ocean. Yeah. Well, we should have we should have sh- broadcast it. <laughs> we should have. Broadcast. <laughs> it's what it's. I mean, it's what what you Trump will, but uh, you no one thought Louis the Sixteenth was still alive, or Saddam. True. Right? Yeah. Or Saddam, or no. Gaddafi. I saw all of them die <laughs> with my own so. eyes, and it I, couldn't I have been a body double. Anyway, um, speaking of kings and queens and countries. James Bond, everybody. Yeah. Did you watch it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, re- James? I just rewatched it today. Funny. I did not rewatch it, but I have watched it pretty recently, uh, actually, because um, GoldenEye's a, a favorite era. Yeah. Well, no, I have my whole like meta theory that the villains in the first three Pierce Brosnans line up to. Uh, Let's go with uh, Zizek's living in the end times analysis of mm-hmm. post-communist, uh, post-USSR as a period of mourning. Uh, and he sort of takes through mm-hmm. the classic uh, however many phases of mourning there are, but like relating it to that. And I feel that way about the uh, first three Brosnan Bond movies. And with his first one, It's very echoes of the Soviet Union, very much impregnated to the movie. Literally the theme of the movie. Right, yeah. So, and it's one of the Bond movies that, uh, very few Bond movies, but some Bond movies have necessary plot exposition in the cold open. That's more of a thing now under Craig. Uh, But this one has plot exposition in the... uh, Cold open. And then it also, unlike any other movie, I think, other than Die Another Day, it has plot exposition during the title song sequence. And that being a very abstracted uh, performative dance sequence representing the fall of the Soviet Union. Yes. Only, only to be rivaled by uh, that weird song and dance Steven Spielberg's wife does in the second Indiana Jones. I mean, I remember <laughs> Temple of Doom. Um, yeah, there's a there's a cringy dance number like right up top with uh, Kate Capshaw, and it's I mean, of course, it's weird well, and yeah, I mean, it's like the whole movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tina, Tina Tina Turner. Yeah, Tina Turner does the song. Yes. Um, yeah. Let's see here. What else is going on there? Uh, the bad. Well, I was gonna link this to. Okay, so here's a dead guy that we all thought was dead being raised. Oh, okay, yeah, that works. See, this is 
you know, the theme of tonight is the dead guy that we thought was dead, but now alive. Yeah. Yeah. The dead. Also, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that definitely works. Speaking of which, I always thought the Admiral that On a Top kills in the beginning uh, looked like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Especially when Bond opens the closet and his dead corpse falls out of the closet and he has that oh, yeah. Paul Giamatti grin on his fucking face. Yeah, he's got the silliest he's grin. He's got the silliest fucking face in it. Fucking rule. Like he, like he just had his his balls squeezed by a a, a woman. Yeah. A woman's thigh. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, That's like his yeah, character basically. on Billy. Yeah, no, actually, yeah. That's true. Billions, the show where yeah. everyone's yeah, a villain. Yeah, it's a Game of Thrones of our era. Um, I mean, I've never seen the show, but I do know Paul Giamatti likes uh, the BDSM. Yeah, in it. I did. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So yes, Bond is getting uh, therapy as ordered by, I guess, MI6. He's driving. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. driving as an they Aston would, Martin, yeah, 1964 as they Aston Martin DB5, oh, 90s. Uh, which is the same car from Goldfinger. And he's driving that quite dangerously with the company therapist that they sent him because it's like the 90s and everyone's cucked and talking about their feelings and shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, that is a thing that yeah, runs. No, they through. make this. They make this a thing. The 90s. of how everyone yes. talks about their feelings right now, and what are we going to do about this James Bond franchise? We still have a lot of money involved in, and that is the like everything about this movie is a transitory movie. Uh, from the cold open starting in the Cold War to then the theme song being a transition and then the movie being post-Cold War uh, to all the characters discussing how, oh, yes, free buckets in in Russia now uh, to like, yeah, he's dealing with this cucked PC liberal shit while he's driving around his Goldfinger car uh, and the you know what he does? He fucking gives the therapist dick like James Bond. Yeah. Uh, my favorite early line of talking about his feelings was when Judy Dench. Oh, yeah, the Judy Dench. You're a, mis- yeah. you're a misogynist. Yeah. yeah, no, they. Yeah, that was also the thing. It's the first and only time they've recast. Uh, M, well, no, they, they've recasted M before, but they haven't recasted Bond, M, and Moneypenny at the same time before. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, like, it was very much a new era movie, but still not Daniel Craig. Uh, let's see here. What else? It still can't be as fun. What else did I? Oh, I had a long rant about how mm-hmm. fucking stupid of a game Baccarat is. Um, if you don't know this about Baccarat, because it features prominently in this movie, it's in a bunch of Bond movies, and just, yeah. Uh, Ian, it's just one card. Ian Fleming is just a degenerate gambler. It's, okay, Baccarat, on the surface, 
it's the blackjack rules. Basically, you're trying to get to a certain score with cards. However, within Baccarat, there's a bunch of built-in rules, like you have to take a card if your score is such and such, to the point where it's literally just a dressed-up game of flip-a-coin. There's no player input in the game. There's zero <laughs> player input in the game. It is a roulette wheel with less betting options that you do with playing cards, and it takes longer. Like, that's all it is. It's the worst fucking game. Rich, but but you, rich people no, do Ian, it. Ian uh, Fleming was just a degenerate, drunk fucking gambler, and he played Baccarat a lot because his stupid alky brain couldn't, like, handle making decisions. And from there, it got associated with, like, the highfalutin James Bond lifestyle, much the same way that vodka martinis did, um, although I'm not as big an issue with that. However, I will say... Uh, when he is in the Monte Carlo casino and he meets on a top again, who he's just stalking apropos of nothing. Yeah. This entire he time. Just, it is not he explained. Sees, he sees her Ferrari and is like, oh, I guess I'm going to go in here. Yeah, it just, it literally, he's in Monte, he's in uh, Monaco getting therapy in a DB5. Um, it's not explained <laughs> if he's there for any mission or other reason. He sees on a top, stalks her to this casino. Um, and I just have to say, for the record, this is what I would consider one of the quasi-Craig movies because it's, like, good enough as a movie that, like, it's slightly not shitty enough to be a good Bond movie. Uh, but it's still ridiculous, and there's still a reason it's a pre-Craig. But, yeah, so he stalks her to this casino. He runs into her in the casino. He gets his shake and not stirred. She orders uh, straight up with a twist, which I just have to go on record and say... If you're an adult and you're ordering a martini, that's a better order than shake and not stirred. If you order shake and not stirred, everyone's going to think you're a dick. Uh, but straight up with a twist, I mean, you don't get any olives. I like <laughs> olives, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's a fine order. It's a real order. I hate olives. I yeah. hate olives so much. No, I'm oh, I the olives. I'm the non heathen. It, it's a like it's a real I'm a Mediterranean trash country. But uh, <laughs> I prefer <laughs> I prefer my stuff to not have any flavor. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. That's uh. <laughs> so that is the casino scene. Plays baccarat. Incredibly stupid game. Uh, she bets like a million dollars. Yeah, it's like it has no reason. High minimum bets for a game that is a She's again, showing off. Um, flip a coin, but dressed up with blackjack. It, it's like if blackjack was yeah. just an automatic game that just played itself, and you happen to be sitting in a seat where you'll win or lose money. Um. Yeah, so then finally he calls up Money Penny and is like, Yeah, can you run like the pictures of this woman that I surreptitiously took? Um, and so Money Penny then is like, Oh, yeah, she's in the Janice. I'm not calling it Janice. Uh, she's in the Janice syndicate. Um, <laughs> you better not have sex not with her. Yeah, you like one don't fuck her and two she's in a crime syndicate. And like at that point we're we the audience are she's left also thinking a sadistic Oh, was this the point the whole, like is this why is in Monaco to follow this woman because 
I don't know why he was following this woman up to now. Was the therapist somehow a cover? Like the British government was like, hey, we're sending you on a Monaco therapy trip uh, as a cover for him to investigate on a top. We have no idea. I always took it that he was uh, that he was there for right. therapy and to get away. And then fell into his this person, this this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sadistic she didn't fall into uh, his lap she was falling and he kept moving his lap underneath of where she was falling <laughs> like there's no explanation so she, mur- she murders the guy on the yacht. yeah and he makes a paul giamatti grin yeah steals the id <laughs> um okay okay so then this is the other part of the movie well of the beginning of the movie okay so the two pilots are walking to the helicopter there's a demonstration on the deck of this ship. The French guy's saying, oh, we're proud to introduce this new helicopter. Pilots are coming to demonstrate it. Pilots are on their way to the helicopter to fly it. On a top shows up dressed like a lady from a 1920s illustration in The New Yorker and is going, hey, boys, the guys at the barracks sent me here. And they stop to approach her as if like, yeah, we got to be at the plane in like, two minutes but let's have sex with her now i mean that is the only thing men yeah, have just, like, they're literally on their way to fly a helicopter and it seems to be tied <laughs> out to a man making an announcement and they're walking but then they're like but then they're like yeah uh, <laughs> and she killed both of them. Uh, and then gets rock. changed from yeah. her like 1920s. I forget the name of the, that. Was it Gibson Girl? Was it? Okay. No, Gibson I, Girl I, you know like what? I'm going to go with Gibson Girl. I, I like that. Blabber dress? Yeah. I, I'm going to say she was more Gibson Girl. I'm going with that. I like that. But, uh, yeah, so she gets changed into a flight uniform really fast and uh, steals the helicopter as James Bond. With the general. Yeah, and James Bond does his signature thing, which is, like, I'm going to run directly into security guards who don't know what's going on without saying a single word about it. And then these security guards are going to naturally stop me from doing the thing I need. Um, And so they get away with the helicopter. Mind you, I still feel like this is all in his stalking mode. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he calls Money Penny, you get the feeling that, like, oh, we're actually doing government shit now. (laughs) Like, he can't turn it off. He can't turn it off. And so they just just steal the helicopter, which I never understood. Why would they just... Because the helicopter is shielded against EMP weaponry, which is what the Golden Eye was. Uh, And they needed an escape vehicle to get away from the... uh, Is the EMP. But, like, wouldn't the Swiss government just, like, figure it out? uh, No. They, They have the helicopter. They are stealing the Golden Eye. They are then deploying the Golden Eye in order to erase the evidence that they stole the Golden Eye because that gives them a second Golden Eye. So they're netting themselves one Golden Eye. And like any good heist, 
And like any good heist, you need a getaway vehicle. GoldenEye is an EMP weapon, and this helicopter is magically shielded against EMPs because that's what the fucking announcer said. So that's their getaway vehicle. It's the only helicopter like that. So that's where they're getting it from. Yeah, no, that's all worked out. It's a solid, tight premise. I mean, other than, like, all the shit wrong with it. (laughs) Um... Yeah. But yeah, no, like, I mean, uh, the dancer doesn't the dancer just yeah, there's, yeah. The there's a part where, like isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the lady's like smashing. Oh, oh, also fun fact, I just learned this. Um uh Dimitrioff or whatever the fuck his name is, the, the best character. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Boris. One of, Invincible. No, no, not Boris, not Boris. No, the fat fuck. Uh Valentine. Valentine. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, uh, he's one of the best characters from Brosnan Bond. But uh he uh his mistress who was singing poorly was Minnie Driver. I never realized that. But so this is like the second movie with Minnie Driver I've watched in of the last two movies I've watched. Strangling the cat. Yeah, no, well, you know how like Minnie Driver had that weird laugh from uh from Goodwill Hunting, well, in this one, she's a bad singer. <laughs> I love Valentine. Ends up dying in his own caviar. Well, he does when he gets out. Yeah, that's right. He He's drowning in his own caviar. Yeah. Well, that's also one of my favorite other Bond tropes was James Bond is the only human being on Earth to use a Walther PPK. And they mention that all the time. Uh, and it, when he draws it on Valentine... Yeah. I only know three people, two of which I killed. Yeah, yeah, no, and like, yeah, Valentine can recognize the click in a Walther PPK as being a Walther PPK click. You gave me this limp. Yeah. It's every day when I wake up in this cold, godforsaken capitalist country. Yeah. (laughs) It is uh, the first appearance of. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan uh, as Bond. So, um, which I wasn't, I don't think, uh, um, who is, who is James Bond before Timothy him? Dalton. Probably one of my Dalton. favorites. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I've never seen a single fucking Dalton. They're so awesome. Yeah, I don't I mean, need to, because it's like super 80s, like, <laughs> drug cop. It's, yeah, well, it, well, Bond goes from, uh, like, in the 70s being a Cold War, like, you know, saving the world to like Dalton era, which is uh, just helping like the CIA do coups in South America and and, and just <laughs> trafficking drugs to America. Like, and then once you get to Brosnan, then like by the third movie, you're just, he's just a mercenary for global capital. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree that, I mean, I don't think that was a huge change or anything. Um, yeah, he was always a mercenary for Global Capital, but like... And there were movies previous. I mean, fuck. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever, he was literally doing a job for South African diamond miners. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, Diamonds no, Are Forever. No, yeah, is bad. Wait, I thought that, we were on the same that page That movie with involved... That. Literal, well, I mean, stage, not like documentary, but like shots that were meant to depict South African diamond mines with the like mine owners as the 
people hiring James Bond. <laughs> well, in the world is not enough. He was just like saving yeah. an oil pipe. Yeah, yeah. He, it was an important oil pipeline. He's never been good. <laughs> Left and the not, trying to bomb. Uh, yeah, I mean, know. at least it, it's. And I'm not even talking about how he is with the lefties, I, I if you know what I mean. Coercive. I prefer the first scene out of Gold <laughs> Gold uh, Goldfinger when he uses a woman as a shield. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. But that I feel like that was a, a trope. I recently rewatched uh, mm. Total Recall, uh, and there is there is a part there is a part where. Uh, People are just like he just uses someone as a human shield, yeah, like, and it's a, never uh, spoken of. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they parodied that in Archer, um, but there's like literally a line from Goldfinger that is "Go away now, men are talking." That's like a actual spoken line in that fucking video. Yeah, no, I mean, Bro- yeah. Brosnan or not Brosnan, Connery Bond was ridiculous. I'm my favorite movie is far and away for your eyes only, which is Roger Moore. Uh, and Roger Moore is my hands on favorite. Yeah. I mean, I hate a lot of his movies, but no, I like him as Bond. Yeah. Um, he's it's just the 70s aesthetic, they make him do everything you can he's like in circuses he's oh, on the moon God, octopus is really oh that has he, oh, backgammon in it yeah octopus is the greatest movie of all time only backgammon in film i've ever seen he's in psychedelic yeah like, he's doing black man with a golden gun um yeah no yeah roger Moore. okay back back to the pierce brosnan though um my favorite scene in the whole movie, and probably the best scene, was the return of 006 and, um, what's his name, Ned Stark. Yeah, in the literal graveyard of Soviet monuments. Yeah, no, that shit. It brought tears to my eyes. Uh, he's a Cossack. Anybody want to describe why it's significant that he's a Cossack? Okay, I've been trying to figure out what the deal with Cossacks is as a non... Well, I guess I'm, like, Russian-Jewish. And, like, I'm pretty sure I've had relatives murdered by Cossacks. And the closest I can get is it's as if Native Americans survived in larger numbers and the U.S. government was like, hey, we'll just give you your own state, but you need to, like, be a special forces unit for the government that murders people who we tell you to. And that's like kind of what Cossacks are. They're like these weird indigenous tribes in Russia that under the czar, like were basically able to control their own pieces of territory within Russia, but they were just, they just murdered people for the czar. Um, but yeah, very strange phenomena. And, and 006 Ned Stark is Elian Cossack, who revealed to be a Cossack. Yeah, and that was like this whole culturally significant thing uh, that everyone, both the like British government that decided to hide this information from. <laughs> uh, and then like Bond would try to use Oromov's presumed racism against Ned Stark at another point. And it's like, I don't know. Do you really give a shit? <laughs> Do you like? Well, it, it seems to 
It's the 90s, it seems bro. Everyone's to me that it gave them precedent for him being a sl long-term sleeper. Like, they yeah. trained him. Literally. Bye. <laughs> Ned Stark, who was not <laughs> born in 1945, has this lifelong grudge against the British government. Is which was which was what like the British murdered all the Cossacks. The British turned the Cossacks over to uh, the Soviet Union. The Cossacks fought for the Nazis because they were super right wing conservatives who used to be basically attack dogs for the Tsar. So they fought for the Nazis. The British captured a bunch of them and they were like, hey, don't turn us back to the Soviet Union. We'll help fight the Soviet Union with you guys. And the British are like, the Soviet Union's still kind of our allies and you're uh, prisoners of war who fought for the Nazis against us and we're going to send you back to the Soviet Union because that's where you're from. And okay, this makes the movie make so much more sense because the whole time it, it gives the appearance that like Cossacks are on the side of the Soviet. No, they, they they were no, they were They're never. Not. I mean, if you read Ten Days That Shook the World, Cossacks come up a bunch. Like they were one of the most like hardened, uh, well armed military uh, reactionary forces uh, during the Russian Revolution. And yeah, it was just like yeah, the Tsars like they were these kind of nomadic, hyper militarist tribes that lived in Russia, and rather than completely conquer them, the czars are just like, all right, you're in Russia, but like, I don't know, just serve in our military and we'll make special Cossack units for you guys uh, where you can listen to your traditional hierarchical commanders, um, and we'll let you basically run your own areas, is what they were. And so Ned Stark is a Cossack. Yeah. But the general's just an old Soviet general who but also the does. The British government kept from him that he was a Cossack. And they thought if he learned that naturally, he would fulfill this lifelong vendetta against them. Like, it's just so fucking bizarre to me. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is partially like I'm white and I don't care that much about my ethnicity. Um, but I don't know. It's like, oh, yeah, you really fucked over my parents. I'm going to form an international criminal syndicate and post. It was like the other thing in that graveyard scene. <laughs> uh, he goes to Bond. Um, I was almost thinking about letting you in on this little scheme of mine. And it's like, what fucking scheme, dude? The last time <laughs> you saw James Bond was nine years ago. Was that part of the scheme? Like you. Yeah. So, yeah. Like. <laughs> also, I'd argue that the Cossack, Cossacks, Cossacks, God damn it. Uh, they were kind of like the ice of the Russian Empire, right? Because they were like at the borders, supposedly. That was like a lot of where they Yeah, I mean, they would also like pogrom out some Jewish settlements and shit like that. Um, exactly. But yeah, like. Like, uh, like, I mean, I just like trying to. Did he know about the Golden Eye during uh, level one dam of Golden Eye? <laughs> uh, did he like know about it then? <laughs> and like, his idea was 
Like, I'm going to fake my death because Oromov is in on this. Oromov, in the meantime, is going to become a general. Um, or stay a general? Isn't he always a general? No, no, he was... Uh, no, they, they they mentioned that very specifically. He was... Yeah, no, he wasn't a general. I forget what his rank was in the cold open, but they do mention his rank, and it's not general. And then when they bring up Oromov at the uh, briefing uh, after the, like, Severnaya incident, um, James Bond says, oh, Oromov, they made him a general now. Uh, so, yeah, no, he, he wasn't a general in the cold open. Um, yeah, like, so Oromov's going to become a general. I'm going to start... And he kills the defense minister of Russia. Okay, Oromov's going to become a general. The Soviet Union's going to collapse. That's part of my plan. Um, I'm going to form a post-Soviet crime syndicate in the, like, Yeltsin kleptocracy called Janus. Uh, I'm going to get Oromov in on it. Like, like this was like his scheme he was developing during level one dam. Like, I just, I, I just, it's not clear because he says like, oh, I wrote the line down. Yeah. No, he was like, I was going to let you in on my little scheme. It's, I just don't know what, was he going to tell him before the dam? Like, oh, by the way, I'm going to fake my death. The Soviet Union's going to fall. And nine years later, I'm going to do this thing with like an EMP satellite. <laughs> To steal, like, a bunch of money from the British bank and also, like, hurt the British government because they fucked over my parents. Is is it that he goes underground? Yes. Like, is that the plan and he just improvises the rest? I mean, he goes underground much like bin Laden, Osama bin Laden. Right, yeah, so in the cold opening, clearly he's planning to fake his own death. He's clearly probably already in with Oromov. I don't know anything else. I don't know. Okay, are you saying it's it's not possible that Osama bin Laden Laden faked his own death, knowing that Donald Trump would come president, so that the two of them could fight the pedophile ring. Yeah, <laughs> of Donald Trump to the president. Are you saying that's not possible? I mean, you know, maybe, but and that JFK Jr. JFK Jr. is years, the general or above. Yeah, in a hundred years, when they make James Bond-style movies about <laughs> Trump. Uh, <laughs> Will that be the plot? I think so. I um, I I do want to mention that on the top on the Wikipedia page is described as a sadistic mm. lust murderer. Yeah, no, they definitely did the classic like Batman villain thing that James Bond used to do back in the glory days of like, oh, he has this weird pseudo Freudian complex. And that defines his character and his special powers as a bad guy. Uh, they did that with, eh, I don't know. They used to do that with Bond villains. Did it with Onatop. Guess they did it with the, uh, well, they did it with everyone in uh, World is Not Enough. Um, Onatop's death scene has always been scarred into my brain. <laughs> yeah. Don't you know the helicopter was going to dude? Yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense as a like kill method, but like I always did appreciate it. Well, also her scene uh in the spa. Yeah, that was down and tries to squeeze um right, cause she gets an orgasm. James gets, yeah, yeah. And then James gets James gets mm-hmm. she's, she's a the perfect murderer. pinko kami slut. 
She should be our <laughs> new cover. She's perfect. Just <laughs> yeah, a bunch of like that. uncomfortable uh, on a top orgasm sounds here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh yeah, no, that's that's the thing that makes that a Bond movie is like just the silly bullshit like that. That shit rules. Like that I mean naming her on a top is yeah. one of no, the I know. It was like continuing the tradition beautifully. Yeah. A lot of vagina, isn't it? Austin Powers, yes, I know. What is her first name? Xenia. Xenia? Xenia on a top. Yeah. Well, there's... Xenia on a top. What the one chick's name? Like, I think her name was, like, literally, like, Lucy Goodtimes or something. God damn that fucking franchise. Um, yeah, she's. Uh, what was the one liner when James sets her down on like the coals or the heating coals? And he, I don't know, but he he had another good one when she died, and he's like, I heard she likes a good squeeze. Yeah, that was definitely the one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, the the Cuba scene was so fucking. I mean, what? The Cuban, like the the satellite that comes out oh, of that, the ground. That shit rule. No, that like that when it gets very archery, because like you can just see as soon as that comes out, you're like, oh boy, we're gonna slide down this at some point, aren't we? <laughs> just like everyone just gets so excited because we're gonna slide down this at some point, and it's gonna be so much fun. I mean, look at it. Oh god, that looks so much fun. I love that thing. That's the coolest thing ever. I, I want to slide down that at some point. That's a bucket list. <laughs> I will learn how to skateboard to skateboard that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the giant fucking satellite that, like, comes out of the water. I mean, that also, I mean, that's very, um, you only live twice. Uh, the vagina, yeah, well. uh, volcano abyss that I almost called a vagina abyss for some reason. Uh, isn't there a, isn't there an underwater sea base, too? Uh, there's, uh, <laughs> Uh, Spy Love Me has a sea base. Comes out of the sea. Yeah, it comes out of the sea. Um, Shark. Yeah, no, the dude's like obsessed with the ocean. Uh, I forget what his deal was. I mean, well, I know he was like stealing nuclear submarines from both Britain and the Soviet Union or possibly America and the Soviet Union to then fire them at each other to make them go to war. Uh, I forget why he was doing that. Like, I know he, he wants to lives burn, permanently baby. in his ocean lair uh, <laughs> and likes ocean shit. Spy Love Me was a solid one. That was Roger Moore. Um, Again, the best. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty... The man with the golden eye. Golden gun. Golden gun. Man with the golden gun. Yeah, that one... Christopher Lee. Yeah, no, that one's like as the man with three nipples who yeah, just oh, expect him. Like one of the gas movies <laughs> of. It was so good. It it had the fun house. Yeah, like yeah, it had the fun house. It had the, the fucking midget. It had yep. uh, <laughs> the golden gun. Uh, yeah, no, that had a bunch of fun stuff. I mean, yeah, uh, well, View to a Kill, which is often. 
named as one of the worst Bond movies. I love it. It has Christopher Walken. Yeah, it has Christopher Walken, and if you go through the movie, it's a goddamn clusterfuck. Um, but and, and like a lot of people just are like, I mean, it's on like podcasts as like, can you believe they made this movie? And it's like, it's a fun fucking Bond movie. Okay, okay, but Moonraker. Yeah, is, Moonraker. That's where I mean, it's yeah. too far. Um, well, wasn't it just Star Wars happened, and they were like, let's cash in on. Spaceship. Yeah. 79. Yeah. Okay, wrap up Goldeneye. What what does that say about post-war? Oh, okay, so hauntology, I guess. I mean, they kind I, of I found it very hauntological, just the echoes of Yeah, I mean, they were essentially fighting against the ghosts of the Soviet Union uh with 006 kind of representing this I mean, his entire project was absurdly, uh, the motivations were just kind of absurd in how married to the past they were. Oromov, I mean, he's always the thing I remember more from the movie. And yeah, he viewed himself as a resurgent, uh, going to make Russia like Stalin again, uh, kind of guy. I don't know exactly how this whole thing w- would help him do that, but you know, he was going to. Um, and I mean, your set pieces are all, I mean, the entire Russian section was all just Red Square Kremlin shots like it was an old Bond movie. And you had to have that speech with M. Basically, I mean, the first part of the movie was basically a lot of transitions. It was theme song that was a transition, the cold open being Cold War, and the main movie being post-Cold War. And then M makes a speech. M, who is now a woman, makes a speech about how, yeah, you're, she calls him a literal relic of the Cold War and we don't need you anymore is basically what she's telling him. And so, yeah, it's a movie very conscious about finding its footing when it spent the last 40 years being a thing that's no longer a thing. So that that would be kind of my read on the hauntology. And it was also, I mean, after Brosnan, they had to reboot the series. They couldn't keep doing it. Like they... Right. Well, like, that's, I guess, where I'm going to say it is the hauntological until it just goes into full nostalgia. Like, they couldn't keep it in the time period that it is. They had to set it in the past, or at the very least, make it so that the world of Bond matched the world of Pat, right? To kind of, like, give him an enemy that was substantial instead of just kind of ghost. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so... so, I mean, I'm not going to get it right now, but I do have my idea about the la- the first three Brosnan movies kind of being this progression of getting more and more tenuous in its relate or how it's dealing with the post Cold War. So the first one is Soviet irredentism. Uh, the second one being uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies is the runaway capitalism and. 
and finally world is not enough is this sort of no longer soviet uh eridanism but like almost this nostalgic callback left trying to deal in this post-communist society uh where you have he's not a communist he's an mm-hmm. anarchist he literally mm-hmm. as his main character feature cannot feel anything and he's just increasingly alienated from the world uh and he's got like a super death drive. right and, and then he got bullet combined with the you know quote-unquote stockholm syndrome but really uh rich girl who's an heiress who has everything except meaning and so to make meaning she like boredly role plays in this sort of lefty directionless anarchism quote-unquote uh idea and those are your bad guys in that last movie where it's like the very notion of the soviet union is now dead we don't have that and so our enemies are just sort of making it up to feel something uh and well well i also thought that the <laughs> azerbaijani uh, armenian comedy oh yeah that's comes, very topical it's very topical in that movie and it's constantly being referenced and played upon they actually go to azerbaijan well, I mean, they, there was a war there terrorists right yeah i think so and the rich Harris meets with like a cleric yeah. and does an alliance that allows it so that they could build the pipeline on their land. Um, which yeah, also- Caucasus Muslims are very famously hyper-religious and will do whatever their clerics tell them. That's the thing about the, like, po- like ex- So if you want to yeah, film a no, movie absolutely. there, you gotta get in good with uh, clerics. Of all the... Shit, I, I went to law school with a fucking Kosovo Muslim. Um, and it's like, yeah, no, it's, oh shit, you're Muslim? I didn't realize at all based on anything you've ever said or did. They're the best Muslims because they really do not give a fuck. <laughs> anyway. That's our review of Gold. Yeah. We could probably have a longer one, but... Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we can do kind of a body thing because there, there's a lot to say about the series and some I've got and it's kind of, with. Yeah, and I love this movie in particular because of the end of the end of history. But we could do... Oh. I mean, we could do for, for your eyes only because it has the whole Greek shit has so much Greek shit. Yeah, that's true. Except the Greek <laughs> yeah. woman is played by yeah, for she's played. It's but, just it's basically the entire and that's played and by Greek uncle yeah. fighting with each other. Played by <laughs> <laughs> there is a in one of the Daniel Craigs though, there is a Bond girl who is mm. a real Greek. So you know uh, I like doing Bond films because they are the lens by which a lot of people are introduced to communism in America and uh, it's That's always the enemy and it's always comes with so many um, so much wrapped into it so much capitalist propaganda rap. Um, that's fun mm-hmm. I love it you know can't get enough capitalist propaganda oh, um, but you know by defining communism through it um, it shapes the way you know other than like but it's the way we think about communism yeah in, in well, the other thing I like about For Your Eyes Only is, uh, well, it's, uh, what the fuck is that guy's name? The KGB had, uh, Golgoth or Gulgu or started with a J. But yeah, any of the Roger Moore era movies with that character in it were always good. Yeah, uh, you know, cause yeah, you also had Spy Love Me. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Definitely my favorite. Uh, I, I love Roger Moore. Um, anyways, that's one. Uh, you should end it on. Da-da. Yeah, yeah. Da-da. You should end it on um, <laughs> Chris Cornell's Bond song. Should end it on or Tina Turner's uh, Secret Agent Man. <laughs> yes, Secret Agent Man. I like so, it. Yeah. My name is Bond, James Bond. James Bond.